praise you indeed. Hey, are you not grateful for the effort, the sacrifice, the passion, and the gifts of our worship team from tech all the way up here? Come on. Incredibly grateful. Uh, before we get into our series, The Battle of the Mind, I got a, a couple housekeeping items that I need to put before you. And the first one is, is I love you. But I'm no longer Pastor Ryan, but I am Nigerian Prince Ryan, who, dis who discreetly needs you to send me $2,000 in gift cards. What a, what a weekend. Wow. I think I got more love in the last three days from our church than any other time in our existence, uh, which on one hand, I greatly appreciate. On the other hand, please delete that email. Um, for those of you who have no clue what we're talking about, our database got hijacked, and uh, they created a an email that looks similar to mine that cloned my number. Some of you have gotten phone, well, you've gotten text. And so just ignore those. We apologize for any inconvenience. We are working on that. Uh, we think we've got it handled. So if you get any more emails, just forward those to office at hopevalleybc.org so that we can continue to file that report and, and, and work with the internet police. And uh, then delete that sucker, please. All right? Uh, for those of you that tried to witness to our hacker, God bless you. That's awesome. That is awesome. You were like, open door, let's go. I will do this if you do these three things first. Uh, so that was awesome. Hey, hey, Rachel Mulliken, are you in the house? All right, stand up, please. She's in that back corner over there. For the last year, for those of you that don't realize, for the last year, uh, Rachel has come alongside of me as our volunteer administrative assistant, and she has gone way, way above and beyond. <clears throat> and so now I introduce to you part-time coordinator, coordinator of ministry operations, Miss Rachel Mulliken. Very thankful, uh, a lot of what you see and experience. Uh, we have multiple people that do things behind the scenes, and she is one of those key pieces that, that keeps us moving in the right direction and thinks of things and dreams of things and visioneers things 10 steps ahead of me. So it's pretty incredible. And so we're grateful to have her on staff. Amen? All right, so if you have not tuned in at all, you have not really noticed that we are growing, all right? We are growing a lot, and we are grateful for that. And so with that comes just some adjustments that we want to encourage you to participate in with us, amen? So some new growth pain adjustments. Number one, I want to encourage everyone to either hang out in the worship center or the parking lot because... We have now grown to the place where when you hang out in the lobby or the hallway, we create a traffic jam. And with that, if you can imagine, you're comfortable. These are my people. This is how we roll. 
But if you're a visitor walking up in here and you're like, hey, people everywhere, I don't, and, you, and, and you're blocking the signage and they don't know where to go, and you're going to hear about one of our plans moving forward in the future that you are going to be a big part of, a team that we are going to establish that's going to assist with that. But that's for another day. That's for about a month from, from now. So we're thankful for that. So with that, teenagers that are in this first service, we encourage you just to kind of be like you are on Monday morning when you get out to bed. Slow. All right? Just kind of take your time. Take about five minutes. Don't leave here because now that we have transitioned our space, we're taking over the whole space back there for our kids' ministry, and they need time because it's a shared space. Every space is a shared space, right? And that the student ministry uses that area on the left and also the right uh, as well. And so we need time to transition from kids to students before you go popping up in there and doing your thing. Now, if you want to go and offer to help make that transition happen, then you go right ahead and serve Jesus in that way. But if you don't feel like serving Jesus, stay in here. All right? Amen. And I want to challenge all of you Hope Valley, Hope Valleyans, been here for a while. Got your people. A lot of people don't have their people. You can help them with that. Break away from your huddle. It's like you would in football. Break. Don't break your left fibula like my son did on Thursday night. But break the huddle. Take notice of people you don't know. Help them to see the love of Jesus as they walk through this place. Amen? So, today, I am grateful for the opportunity to continue the series of, say it with me, The Battle of the Mind, with a message that is meant to encourage your soul as we focus today on whatever is lovely, think on these things. And so what we have seen up to this point, we have been looking at how the believer should be a good steward of his or her mind. Because let's be honest, how many of your minds at times can get wiggity-whack-wonky? Amen. And so God gives us several things that we are to put on in our thinking, which is going to help us to become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. And so today... We're looking at the fifth principle of our thinking, thinking things that are lovely. So if you wouldn't mind, jump to your feet. We're going to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 again together. And as always, not only is it out of reverence and respect for God's incredibly holy word, but man, we should say it loud and proud. All right? What we're going to do today is the men alone are going to go all the way through what is pure. And then ladies, you're going to take over with whatever is lovely. Amen? Men, do you got it? Okay, here we go. Verse 8, men, finally.
Amen. Come on. You may be seated. So to allow this verse to connect with our soul, we got to gain a better understanding. When we think about whatever is lovely, we got to understand what is lovely. And I know some of you are looking around. You're like, I know what's lovely, right? So in order to understand what is lovely, we got to see what lovely is not because our culture today has kind of given us a direction to think towards when it comes to lovely. Because when we think of the word lovely, what do we normally think of? Hey. Lovely, we think physical beauty as in, oh, that's a lovely dress. Or a person, that's a lovely person. And it can apply, the, the biblical concept here can apply to a person, but not in the direction that we typically say. Or we think of a sunset, as that is lovely right or we flip the script right you hit all kinds of walls this week and you're like well isn't that lovely right so while we have this common thought today these examples of course are not the thoughts that scripture is talking about and so what we want to do is we don't want to take that out of context we want to see what does this mean for my life so somebody say what Lovely is, is prosphilet. Okay, the original word is prosphilet. Everybody say it with me, prosphilet. Some of y'all said Chick-fil-A. That's not what I said. It is prosphilet, although yes, the Christian chicken is definitely lovely. So this is is so important because this is the only occurrence of this word in all of the New Testament. And it means that we have to take a careful look at the components of the word itself so that we can determine its meaning since there are no other uses of it for us to examine. Word? So if we don't do this, what we begin to see happening in our walk with Jesus is that we easily find ourselves, with good intentions, taking Scripture out of context and applying it to what we think maybe makes sense. Well, that's what that, that's what that's saying. That's what lovely means. But prosphilet is made up of two words. You have pros and filet. And pros means toward, and filet means love. Or it is a New Testament, one of the New Testament words for love. So it literally means toward love. Say toward three times. It feels weird coming out of your mouth, doesn't it? So believers are to be thinking about things toward love. All right? And so therefore, what we see in this Bible reference, it's about loving other people through Pleasing thoughts through pleasing actions and pleasing conversations. And one lovely person that exudes this well was Ruth Bell Graham. This was Billy Graham's late wife. She's remembered as a lovely woman. All right, but remember, it's not about the exterior, it's not about the beauty. And how do we know this? How do we know it goes beyond her, look, her looks? It's, it was about her actions. And we knew that because at her funeral, even her own son, Franklin Graham, said 
that his mother treated everyone the way Jesus showed us to treat someone. She delighted in doing things that you never heard about, that you never saw. She would cook for the sick neighbor. She would teach Sunday school. She would visit the jail, and nobody ever knew these things. You see, Jesus Christ was a friend to seemingly unlovable people during his time on earth. That is so difficult to do. Amen? But as believers today, we are called to imitate Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. We can't sit here today and say, well, I, I, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at it. Most of us are not good at it. Some of you, your gift of loving people the way Jesus did is incredible because we see it all over you. But for most of us, we battle with it, especially in our society today. And even some of us today would acknowledge that maybe we need to be convicted like I've recently been convicted of spiritual pride. Where I have a list of holy things in my lifestyle that I establish, and because other believers aren't creating quite the list as mine, I can become cynical and look down my nose on them and get very frustrated, which, I, which is a battle for me. And so I'm thankful for conviction because it shows me I'm alive. And for some of you today, for you to embrace what lovely really is, I think we step back and evaluate your heart. Am I full of spiritual pride? Because you see, when we look at Jesus and who he was, it should do something deep within our hearts and our minds that, that, that creates this deep desire to love other people. And though we're not all, I mean, who in here is naturally just compassionate and kind? Be honest. Oh, we got some work to do. Y'all know me all too well. They thought it was a trick question. Because then I was going to look back and say, well, next thing you need to pray for is humility, right? It's something that is outside of our natural ability. You caught on quickly, yes. But we can aspire, right, to be all things like Jesus with God's help. Amen? And so having this mind of Christ, it starts, yes, with, with a positive and friendly outlook toward other people. But our desire should be to see how Jesus can transform our thoughts. And therefore, our hearts to be pleasing to him and lovely in his sight. Amen? And so before we can agree on how to think towards things that are lovely, we got to see What's hindering us? What barriers are in the way that, that cause us to just go and hit the brakes on thinking towards what is lovely? So there's two barriers that I want to expand on today to thinking on what is lovely. Because if lovely thinking is that which is towards love, we need to know what obstacles that we need to overcome to make it a reality in our lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this should, 
this should cause you to kind of get on the edge of your seats because you know in your humanity that you and I absolutely stink at loving other people. We, we can't do it in our own strength. As a believer, you know that you can't properly love another person unless you embrace and understand the love of Jesus. And if you haven't accepted the love of Jesus, you don't know how to properly love another person. And the first barrier is modern American culture. Our culture, and let me go ahead to speak of barriers. After we get back from the pavilion, September the 18th, I believe it is, I'm starting a new series called Breakthrough. All the way through the month of October. Because I believe that it's very high time for this church, for you as individuals, you as a family, but this church to break through and to reveal truly what it's made of in the face of what we are experiencing as a world and preparing the church for tribulation. So be in prayer for that because it's going to set this place apart. It's going to. So, moving back into this, our culture's got some crazy misconceptions about love. So we got to understand, we have to be careful what they are so they don't infiltrate our thinking, right? And the first one is, well, it's something that you fall in and could fall out of, love. The culture tells us that it's just, just as easy as it is to fall in love with somebody, it's just as easy to fall out of love with them, right? That, that concept is terrible because it puts love within the basis of our emotions only. It doesn't include the Lord or His will. Anytime that our feelings are the basis of love, whether it be in marriage or friendship, those relationships are going to be on shaky ground. All right? It will be like a house that is built on sand. When the first wind blows on that house, it's not going to stand. But our marriages and our friendships are to be built on the bedrock of biblical commitment. All right? And this is where we choose. Did you hear me? We choose to love and to plan to love and to continually think toward love regardless of our feelings and regardless of the other person's actions. Do you hear me this morning? If we do this, then our marriages and our friendships are going to stand against any storm. You hear me? Some of you got storms going on in your relationships. So some real talk this morning. Somebody say real talk. Have you formed the habit of showing love only when you feel like it? Only when it's convenient. So what I want you to do is see the depth and understand a very quick verse that, that if you were reading through John 13, you would just skip on past it. I don't want you to do that. I want you to embrace this. John 13, 17 says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, what this verse is teaching us is something absolutely pivotal in your faith walk. I want you to capture this. Right thinking will lead to right actions, 
which will lead to right feelings. It starts with the mind, y'all. If we think on what is right, we will sow towards right actions, which will then result in the right feelings or emotions. But what do we do in our culture is that we immediately act upon the way that we feel. Instead of understanding our silence can't be repeated. That we need to step back, wait a minute, and don't allow the script to be flipped. Because our culture has definitely flipped it. Because people are basing their actions upon their feelings, which is resulting in wrong thinking. You see? So we've got to flip that script on our emotions. We cannot allow our emotions to control our actions and our thinking. Follow? Another barrier to thinking what is lovely and doing what God has called us to do is just what it is. Laziness. It's concentrating. Calling us to concentrate or think towards what is lovely and produce these lovely actions and understanding it's going to take some hard work. It's going to take hard work. And what stands in the way of this hard work is the unwillingness to do hard work. Something that we are also seeing in our culture today. And so, therefore, the result is giving in to the evil one's tactics of just becoming lazy. And in order for us to be growing in love, we must plan. We must plan how we are going to love and to bless other people. When we fail to plan to be lovely, when we fail to think towards love, then let's just, we, we love some real talk up in Hope Valley. We're being lazy, right? We see in Proverbs 13, 4, a slugger's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 21, 25, the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. So some more real talk with laziness is how might a husband or a wife be lazy in their thinking and fail to plan to plan to meet needs or each other's needs? Let's talk to the husband first. All right. The husband who thinks, oh, I got to do. My role is I provide for my wife. I give her a house some clothes, an insurance policy, maybe a car, maybe enough money to pay the bills, and my job is done. But he is lazy in getting to know his wife, talking to her, answering her probing questions even when he doesn't feel like rehashing a phone call or that day at work. And so let's create some balance here. The ladies are like, high five, Ryan. Well, ladies, to the wife, a wife who doesn't plan and think towards love for her husband by giving him the space he needs before he can unload about the problems of the day. Or before you unload your problems of your day. Or before you interrogate him on all the crazy details of his day. When all he wants to say, it was a good day at work. But tell me about lunch. Who would you sit with? I mean, who would you talk to? 
What did that meeting, I mean, did, did so-and-so tick you off in that meeting again? I mean, the first five minutes, we don't want to share that kind of stuff. So there's some balance here. We have to have some understanding. We have to plan on the way home from work, men, on the way home from work, ladies, whichever the role, whatever you got going on, there's a way for you to plan that your day has not ended at 4 or 5 p.m. In some ways, it's only just begun, right? So, so for both the husband and the wife, by failing to think how, let's say, work may be becoming more important than the wife or the husband. Work is good, but it can become more important than our spouse if we are lazy and fail to plan to do the loving thing. For our spouse. We made all kinds of plans when we were dating that girl. When we were dating that dude. Now, because of conditions, we've gotten comfortable. Let's, let's get out that comfort zone. All right, I'm going to stop right there because then I got some youngins that are like, I don't want to get awkward in here. So some more real talk. What are some ways that parents can be lazy and fail to plan to do loving things for their children? It's a very simple answer, and that's not planning family time. Because I hope you realize today that children don't want one hour of quality time. They just want a few hours of time, even if it's just hanging out in the same room. I mean, we don't fall into that quality time trap which says, I don't get much time with them, but the time I get sure is good. When we give uh, the world around us all the other hours, they're not getting any of it. One hour of supposed quality time does not make up for a few hours of just good old time with mom and dad. And no, it doesn't have to happen every day, but you can plan to have it at least once a week. Because it's still the statistic 15 years ago when I was in student ministry was that parents talk an average of eight minutes a day with their child. It's now down to three. I mean a genuine, authentic conversation. Some of y'all were like, man, times that by a hundred. But it's rare. It is rare. So... I want you to see I camped out on those two relationships because thinking towards and living out what is lovely, it starts in the home. If you get it right there, it's going to pour over into the neighborhood. It's going to pour over into the workplace. It's going to pour over into the church, hello, and in the community. Amen? So before we wrap up, we also got to see three things Thinking towards what is lovely is going to replace. Because there's some sinful ways of thinking that need to be replaced by thinking towards what is lovely. Amen? And the first one is bitterness. It's impossible to remain bitter against a person whom you are planning to do a loving thing towards. Again, like I said last week, you cannot be right with God and wrong with man. Ephesians 4, 
31 32 says, get rid of all bitterness. Stop it! Just stop it. I love Bob Newhart's six-minute video of that therapy session. Plain and simple, stop it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Man, I could expand all day on this, but bitterness is going to destroy you. So in order to think and act towards what is lovely, we must learn to forgive as Christ forgave us. So you got bitterness, but also you got self-pity. The poor me. Look, I get it. When you're down in the dumps, it's really easy to step into the shoes of self-pity. And those shoes are heavy. Those shoes put blindfold over your eyes and your heart because the only person you focus on is yourself. That thinking is going to cause you to be depressed. That thinking is going to cause you to feel alone. Instead of understanding everybody's got problems. How many of you have zero problems in your world? Okay. If you would raise your hand, I was going to put your name real quick in my phone to not hang out with that person. Self-pity can be overcome. You don't let Satan win. You deny yourself. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple, say it with me, church, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The prescription for self-pity is to learn to deny self in order to think and act towards whatever is lovely. And the last thing, that it replaces is fear. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made, is the one who fears is not made perfect in love. The perfect love of Jesus meets that need. Meets the need to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in spite of our feelings, in spite of our storms, in spite of what we don't see around the corner. Fear focuses on feelings. And in the mighty name of Jesus today, rebuke the lies of the evil one and don't give in to fear anymore. Stop it. Remember that fear is a liar. So we have a solution. We have all these elements that we've looked at and thinking towards what is lovely, but now we come down to the solution. The solution towards thinking what is lovely. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. How many points you got? One. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. see much of the world is calloused it's become hardened it's become indifferent towards the needs of mankind you agree 
The human race is in spiritual poverty and emotional distress. And this is due largely to the fact that many people have never experienced salvation. The love of God has never taken root in their hearts. As I told you a couple weeks ago, and you're going to hear a lot about this in the Breakthrough series, that I'm believing more and more that more and more people sitting in church right now today are lost and do not know Jesus. Because the gospel that saves you, I saw this somewhere this week, the gospel that saves you but doesn't change you or change how you live is a gospel foreign to the word of God. If the gospel of Jesus has not changed you since you said yes to Jesus and you still running around, you still dabbling, you still wallowing in that mud of this world, and there isn't no conviction in you, there's not a stirring within you that says, stop it and turn towards Jesus, repent. If that's not there, then you listen to a misconstrued gospel. And your decision to follow Jesus should be in question. Because the truth is, for some of you, you got to understand there's only one gospel. And you are the means by how people are going to experience it. One of the things that's lacking greatly and why we continue to see woke Christianity and, and, and this progressive movement taking over is because the true believers, the bona fide, authentic lovers of Jesus are not sharing that love. Why? Because we are wrapped up in bitterness, self-pity, and fear. That's why. And so in order to live out whatever is lovely, we've got to see that us being so hypersensitive and easily offended, leading us to bitterness because we're basing our life on our feelings, is hindering what God wants to do through your life. And then the self-pity, the world has told you to focus completely on yourself. Do what you want. Take care of number one. When my Jesus tells me to deny myself and completely take up my cross and to follow him. And then, instead of faith, we have fear. And it's captivating the church. And that's why God is leading me to, to communicate the series that we're going to be communicating. Some of y'all are going to love it. Some of y'all are going to get saved as a result of it. Some of you are going to repent from your backslidden ways. And it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. So listen, for those of you, for those of us who are genuine Christ followers, we were made right with God 
and therefore must be sensitive to the needs of others. You, know, you hear what I'm saying? Divine love. We've got to understand that the greatest way or the greatest reason why we are to think towards what is lovely is that so people can be redeemed. Divine love like this reflected sunbeam shines down before it radiates out. Unless our hearts are conditioned by the Holy Spirit to receive and reflect the warmth of God's compassion, we cannot love people as we ought to. So listen, as the band comes forward, Please hear my heart on this. Close your eyes if it's you've got like ADHD and people moving is a distraction. So I want you to hear this as I wrap this up. Stewing over trivial, spiteful, bitter, or damaging thoughts about other people is only going to hinder the process of letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Therefore, if we constantly fill our minds with love-inspiring thoughts, if we set our hearts to think only on what is lovely about another person, to value what is pleasing about them, we will become more like Jesus. We will be well on our way to practicing holiness and putting on a new nature and getting to know God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and becoming more like Him in all that we do. So I challenge you today to bring your thoughts to the altar. In particular, the evil thoughts about those in your life that maybe are difficult to love. Lay it down at the altar. Start coming now. Don't be waiting for a specific call. If you've been here long enough, you know that you are welcome to move about, to roll around, to get on your face, to get on your knees at any time the Lord is calling you. So let's stand together as we worship in this last song. And we do what we need to do in order to think towards what is lovely.